The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. Joining me this week, I have our fearless editor for Hale Varsity, Brandon Vogel. Brandon, how are you? Doing well. Um, fearless might not be the right word. I'm afraid of plenty of things, but I appreciate I appreciate the vote of confidence. You are not afraid of failure. No, definitely not that. Um, huh, remember those days? Those were simpler times. Simpler, um, t- simpler times. Orlando times. But those were the dark days because we did not have a college football video game. And uh, we found out this week that we, maybe not soon, but we will have a college football video game again. EA Sports is making, and it's hilarious, it's not going to be NCAA football, it's going to be college football. I would love to see them just scrub NCAA from like every square inch of the game and just completely leave the NCAA out of it. Um, Maybe it's like a middle finger to them, or maybe it's the NCAA giving a middle finger to EA because they don't like the fact that the game is pushing forward. Either way, Consumers are getting a college football game again. Brandon, did you play um, the old ones? Did you play, like, like really play? Like, not like, yeah, I would turn it on every once in a while. Like, did you really sit down and, like, invest time in building out and fleshing out a dynasty mode? And, like, like some of the best ones were, like, 06 with Desmond Howard on the cover. Um, 14 was really good. 14 was the last one. Did you play these games? Definitely. Um so, well, I guess, first of all, I viewed the name change as more of a, <laughs> a stunning rebuke of where they think the NCAA's place is in college football going forward. And that like, totally. yeah, we don't need the NCAA. It's just like, like it, it's always been somewhat irrelevant, but how it had a inordinate amount of influence on the sport that it holds no uh, sanctioned championship for really doesn't do anything for the sport besides take a, a chunk of the money and enforce back, rules. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of took that as like, yeah, you know, there, there's been power five conferences that have been out there that have explored the autonomy route. I was just like, yeah, sports is like, yeah, that's where this is headed. So we're not even going to bother with that. Um, which was my, me reading too much into that, but yes. No, I, uh, I, felt, I felt the same way because if you looked at the press release that EA sent out, it was kind of like some of the comments in that press release were, were, were kind of like a, a wink, wink at, um, yeah, we don't know if, if the power five uh, powers that be or the college football playoff is even going to be associated with the NCAA in a couple of years. Right. And honestly, like if that were to happen, if the power five conferences were to split off and we're like, we're just our own thing now. Um, strictly in terms of gaming um, and remind me, cause we need to circle back to this as we talk about this game a little bit to, to kick things off. Um, I think it would like, they would be fine with it. Cause they're like, we've got all the big teams. We've got the top 65 teams. 
66 teams and that's great and we'll just go forward that way because they're interested in making money and we're interested in making money and that's the way it's going to work um but to to go back to your original question yes i have played about maybe every iteration of the college football game so i am old enough i was still young then but definitely played bill walsh college football where they didn't have a license uh the gameplay sucked but it was college football, so you did what you had to do. And that meant playing as towns instead of schools since they didn't have rights to the logos. But once, like, the EA franchise got up and running, like, that was Christmas in July for me. Like, my brother and I would be talking back and forth, like, oh, did you see the new screenshots? Did you see – and, like, very little – in this game changed year to year they're like oh yeah there's a new there's a new recruiting but we tweaked recruiting a little bit and we added some more crowd shots and we're like yes this is amazing oh it's gonna be so but i mean it was the same game every year but the ea specialty yep i would go i would go get it back when you had to go to gamestop to to make this uh trendy and topical uh when you had to go to gamestop to get a physical copy of the game i would go get it at midnight um, place my pre-order, go pick it up, and then stay up for eight hours playing it in the middle of July. And every year, like I was honestly, I was a little bit torn about the this announcement. My heart was very happy. My brain, my the, the adult part of my existence was like, man, I was really kind of like phasing out. I was aging out of video games. And had done pretty good, pretty well with that. And a lot of that was due to there not being a college football game because that was the game that I played every year, no matter what. Um, and now I'm going to have to get back in. Who would you put on if the game's not coming out this year, but if it did, the whoever graced the cover of the game would be the guy that or would be somebody from the 2020 season. Would you put the Heisman Trophy winner on the cover, or would you put somebody else on the cover? I mean, traditionally, it's been the the Heisman Trophy winner. I'm trying to – I'm not deep enough in my 2021 research yet to be like, oh, this guy's going to be absolutely massive in 2021. <sighs> well, I, to be fair, EA doesn't do that either. I mean, they put Peyton Hillis on the cover of a Madden game. <laughs> that's true there's there's a little bit of and you know and so it used to be like you had to you had to get a guy who was done who was off to the nfl for a game that was about the season ahead but was named for a season after that so ncaa 14 was like current for the 2013 rosters right i'm not i'm not screwed yeah 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 it came out in 2013 yeah, so it was it was always this weird thing. Now, theoretically, if if we get name image likeness, which it's it's sort of amusing post EA's announcement to see some people frame like there's been news about name image likeness happening, legitimate news, you know, a, an issue I, a, a lot of people are divided on, but a lot of people feel passionately about because it relates specifically to student athlete rights. Um, which has, has been an issue since the NCAA has existed. It's not a new thing, um, but it's just kind of gained enough momentum. And, then, and now one specific tweet that I saw was about, yes, this means that the EA sports game could go ahead with real rosters sooner rather than later. It's like, oh, great. So the entire like philosophical debate 
about name image likeness. Do the players have a right towards this is now just about, can we get the game? Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean that, that, ha- that conversation started like the second NIL legislation kind of came to the forefront, like immediately upon uh, states being like, yeah, we're, we're going to adopt this legislation in our own state. Nebraska was one of the first. Um, everybody was like, does this mean we're getting the game back? Does this mean the game is coming back? And it's like, okay, there are more important things at play <laughs> than a video game, but in a roundabout way, sure. Yeah. We might get the game back. I well, it, go it, ahead. It, yeah. It was kind of interesting. So I was, I was listening to uh, an off network podcast, which, you know, you should never do, but occasionally I just have to, um, but split zone duo from uh, guys who used to be at Banner Society when Banner Society was still around. I mean, it's still around, but RIP. Unfor- unfortunately, they had to reduce staff. But uh, alumni and current members of that, and they were talking about, you know, so what EA Sports used to do and what gets it ahead in the game here now is you go to the collegiate licensing, I don't know if it's company or corporation, but the CLC which has a host of schools in their, pro- in their portfolio, you, you sign an agreement with them and it's basically a revenue share and you get say 80 out of the 130 schools you want. And then there's still some schools, Georgia's a big one that aren't in the CLC. So you'd have to negotiate your rights with them eventually. Um, and it was a really interesting discussion because they were talking about like, if you're Kirby smart in Georgia, do you want to be out on the recruiting trail saying, to recruits, which we know like recruiting can get pretty dumb and be focused on very minute details. But this one felt pretty real of saying like, yeah, if you come here instead of Alabama or Florida or Clemson, because those are the schools they're recruiting against, Ohio State, uh, you can't be in the game because we haven't signed an agreement with EA Sports yet. And, and I mean, that's kind of real. I mean, how many schools did you see tweet about this in, in the aftermath of that EA Sports announcement? I could totally see Nick Saban putting that in his recruiting pitch. What, what was it like eight national titles in the last nine years or like played in eight games in the last nine years. And Oh, by the way, we can put you in a college football video game and Georgia can't just add yeah. that line to the end. <laughs> I mean, you, you realistically probably should. And, and that's for the best resume in college football. That's for the guy who can sell everything else. You can sell real world results. And Oh, by the way, if, if you're the kind of guy who's most interested as a 17 year old, which very well might be the case about the virtual world. Yeah. We've got that. We've got that too. Here's, here's my question for you as somebody who played the game. Okay. How did you choose your team? Oh, I was going to ask you this question. Um, I would go through phases, right? So like when this game came out or when, when the, when the last game came out, was that 2013. So I would have been, 18. So like I I was sort of at the tail end of really being like really, really invested in Florida Gators football. So with the new game, and hopefully this doesn't get people mad at me. um, At least I'm not saying like I'm an Oklahoma fan or whatever, um, which a lot of people think I am, but I'm kind of not. Um, When the new game would come out, especially in, I think 13 had Tebow on the cover. No, 13 had Robert Griffin on Denard Denard Robinson, wasn't it? He was on fourteen. Oh, okay. And I know that because I still have the game, and it is literally the only game that I have for an Xbox three hundred and sixty that was purchased because I had the game but did not have the console. I think this was actually two years ago, um, because the old Xbox three hundred and sixty that I had broke, 
And so for my birthday gift one year, like I got a used Xbox 360 game console from GameStop. <laughs> it's the only game that I have for it. Um, anyway, your question. I would, I would start with Florida and I would play with Florida. Um, my dad played this game all the time, all the time. My dad's not a big gamer, but like even, even 14, he played all the time. He would like steal our console out of my bedroom and put it in the living room so that he could play this game. He would play with Nebraska, obviously. And so there'd be times where I'd be like, okay, I'll play with Nebraska. Um, I picked obscured after I, after I got through a dynasty with Florida, the next one that I would start up, I would kind of like go back and forth. I would pick either obscure teams in non power five conferences and say, can I get like Nevada? Like Nevada was one team I played with and did like a 13 year dynasty with. It's like, can I get Nevada to like, we're playing for a national championship every single year. I'm getting like top two recruiting classes every single year. I would do that. Or it would be who has the coolest uniforms. Yeah. Uniforms was a big thing, particularly when they started adding alternates. It was like, can I not have to wear one of two uniforms every game? If so, move to the top of the list. Then I would move to like, is the stadium cool? Is, (laughs) is the view I'm going to see seven or eight times a year fun and interesting. So that was good for schools like Wyoming um, probably played a dynasty or two with Boise state. And then you realize that practically speaking, the blue turf kind of sucked from yes. a video, from a video game perspective. Yes, it did. Uh, um, but yeah. And I, I feel like that's what most people did was like, Oh, I'm going to go take, I'm going to go take New Mexico state to the upper echelon of college football, which you could always do. Like it was like, yeah, I mean, depending on what level you played at, it was like a two-year process. But by the end of year two, you'd be like, yeah, we're finishing in the top 10. We're recruiting way above a level that New Mexico State could ever possibly recruit at. And you would just do it. And it was fun. And it never changed. It never changed. It was basically the same every year. Like we were talking about cosmetic differences of like, oh, this is cool new new feature. This is a cool new feature. And then once you played it for 30 hours over the first like, 72 hours that you owned it like all those features just fell by the wayside and it became like well i'm just gonna keep doing this because it's it's what i do and it was i enjoy the same it. game with slightly updated rosters even though not really because it was always like number number sign and then number um but updated playbooks as well that was one of the things like when i was looking back through like what would be what would be stuff that you would have to add to the new game? And I was kind of going through my list and I'm curious what you thought of the list that I had in the story that we put on hailvarsity.com. I was going through lists and I got to playbooks and I was thinking about it. And I was like, they had read option stuff. They didn't have RPO stuff that didn't come around until like Madden 19 or something like that. So that would obviously be included, but like your ability to have a wide ranging playbook and then your ability to like, edit that playbook and add whatever you wanted to that playbook was like really kind of ahead of the game. Like it was really ahead of its time in certain respects. And like the playbook thing was like, honestly, one of the best parts of the game. Oh, it definitely was. And that that's like, 
for me, a tip of the cap to the EA sports staff and how much care they took with that part of it. So NCAA football 14 is the only game I still own on PS2 and I don't have a console for it. I guess I should have sold that before this announcement. Um, (laughs) If anybody wants to make an offer for that game and still wants it for the next two years or however long it takes us to get, to get the new version. Uh, I'm accepting offers now. I understand I've missed my window. Uh, Well, maybe not, maybe not because I got a text from my brother uh, the morning that that was announced. It was like, Hey, can you bring the NCAA football 14 game home so that I can play it? And I was like, are you going to pay me for it? So maybe you might still be able to get money out of it. Well, if he's, if he's interested in PlayStation version, tell him to, to reach out because I've, I've got it. Um, but like there was, you know, I, I can't remember. It was probably two or three summers ago for whatever reason. Like I broke that back out. Like I've, I've done that occasionally. It's never been a game that I like kept, kept playing, but occasionally I'd break it out And that Oregon playbook. So frost era, Oregon was so much, so much fun. And there were some stupid plays in there. You're just like, this never works, but it looks so cool that I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trying to do it. But there was a lot, a lot in there that, that did work. And like the AI, I mean, it was a little, it, well, not a little, it was super oversimplified, but like they'd highlight like, okay, on this play, you're running midline veer. You're going to read the defensive tackle here. And, and they would highlight it. And they probably made it too easy, but you'd read that guy and, the play would function mostly like it's supposed to function in, in real life. I guess that'll be an interesting thing for the new game is because back then you could be like, okay, Oregon's running this stuff. And you know, some of it filters out to other playbooks, but like Oregon had it all. Uh, So a lot of times, no matter what dynasty team I was playing with, I'd be like, well, we're running the Oregon playbook. Yeah. Um, Now, that's like the de facto playbook for all of college football. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays in because the, I guess, offensive innovation for college football is kind of hit up. It's smoothed out a little bit. Like, I mean, when Alabama's running this stuff, you know, <laughs> Alabama's running this stuff. So, so everybody's running it. It used to be a thing that leveled the playing field. Now the team that has the most unlevel playing field is doing it too, to remarkable, remarkable results. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I would like to see in a new game. Let me pull up my list again. Uh, would you like to see a transfer portal in the game? Like a, like a, like a real one, like a full-fledged transfer portal that is like active and not like gimmicky. Yeah, I think you probably have to. Um, it's such a it's such a part of college football now um, that it, it would be interesting if they could build some dynamism, make it dynamic to a degree into that. Whereas, so like you go to Colorado State and make them a perennial top five team, like at that point you're probably mostly losing guys. Like you shouldn't be able to add guys easily from that. But if you're a middle-of-the-road team, if you're at Colorado State two years prior where you're trying to build things up, like maybe you should really be able to get ahead through the transfer portal. It'd be interesting. Like So much of the real-life strategy with using the transfer portal is still in development that it'll be kind of interesting. Um, but maybe with another year or two 
down the road, we'll, we'll have a better idea of like, okay, there's some teams that are just really good at this. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you four, four options for new features in the game. You have to pick two of them that are going to go into the game and two of them you think are trash. Okay. Okay. Option one is you have an expanded catalog of broadcasters for the games that you play. So you have like the top line ESPN crew that would be assigned for night games. That would be like Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler. You also have a secondary ESPN crew that would be for day games. I don't know. Like they have a huge catalog of people. So like maybe like Todd Blackledge or something like that. And then you have the CBS top line crew, Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson for CBS games and a Fox option of Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. So that's option one, a diversified commentary team. Option two is you have the ability to cheat in recruiting. You have the ability to, if you want to lure a top prospect to, let's say, New Mexico State, you can cheat. And there are various options to, quote unquote, cheat that are built into the game. But those options come with varying degrees of risks of getting caught by the NCAA. If you get, quote unquote, caught by the NCAA or whatever the governing body is, then there are penalties, sanctions, loss of scholarships. You get a bowl ban or something depending on the severity of the the crime. That's option two. Option three is the ability to fully control your assistant coaching staff. You can hire and fire your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator. I don't think that was like a thing that you could do in the previous game. There was a coaching carousel in the last game, but it was largely performative. You couldn't really do anything with it except for hiring head coaches. I think I could be wrong there. Um, And then... Let's see. Option four is mascot mode is back in the game. Okay. Um, four is definitely out for me. I never cared about mascot mode and never what? used it once. Yep. Are you joking right now? You never did the like aerial like side flips with Herbie Husker? Nope. Nope. Never. <sighs> That was one of those, they showed screenshots of that. And I was like, nah, couldn't be me. Okay. Um, I'm also going to eliminate number three, control assistance. Okay. That was like, it was a minimal part of the game, if I remember correctly, in that like you went through the coaching carousel and like if your OC got hired away, you had to go fight another one, but it had like no impact on the game itself. Yeah. It'd be interesting if it had impact of being of like you picked a bad OC and uh, now your offense isn't as good. Um, but still, I'm eliminating that one. So the catalog of broadcasters is really interesting. That's that's pretty aesthetic difference, but I like it. Um, I don't know. You'd have to sign rights deals with all of the various networks to get them involved, um, which might be uh, a breaking point. But Gus, having a Gus Johnson option would be fun. Uh, a more esoteric option for me as somebody who grew up in the Panhandle of Nebraska, whose high school football coach played at Rushville High School and backed up former Seattle Seahawks quarterback Kelly Stoffer, who does games for ESPN, but like the Sun Belt game at noon. 
um, no disrespect whatsoever. I'm just saying that's kind of what, where I see him. I'm always, I have a personal attachment. Like I would definitely over the course of playing hundreds and hundreds of games be like, yeah, I think Kelly Stoffer should call this game. So I would do that 100%. The cheat and recruiting things a ton of fun. Like it seems kind of, you know, say you want to hire a, or hire, although I guess in name image likeness, likeness era, that's what it is. But say you want to sign a really highly touted quarterback from say blend college. Don't know. Just totally accept, selected at random. And you need to, uh, you need to drop off the bag to get that. Um, that would be pretty fun because in, in the course of video game, I mean, I know you just move on to the next season, but I'm just trying to think about my own experience. Like I would be really disappointed. if It's like, well, we paid for the quarterback and he was really good, but now I get one less game. Like we're just going to go undefeated in regular season and that's it. That would, that would devastate me. So I think that should be in there. That would be really fun. A moral dilemma. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and you could, you could take it a step further. You could have like, you could have bag men. You could have various like fast food restaurants that have agreed to partner with the game for morally ambiguous reasons. Um, the, 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 the thing with recruiting, like the recruiting system obviously has to be revamped, but the, the, the interesting part of like full control over your assistant coaches for me is I don't just want to have like the ability to hire and fire my OC. Like you said, I want them to have like varying skill sets or attributes assigned to them that make them either more beneficial to my operation or more harmful to my operation. And one of those things could be recruiting. Like you could have a guy that is like a Travis Fisher kind of recruiter who can just seal the deal where he goes. Or you could have a guy that is like, yes, yeah, screw it. I'm going to break the rules. We're going to get everybody. I'm going to do it. And like you have that guy that like maybe you are more likely to sign a top five or a five-star recruit at a podunk school. But because of his reputation, like maybe it boosts the likelihood that you get caught or something random like that. They could have yeah, some think- fun. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of fun things you could do about it because you, you you could also get like the X's and O's guy, where it's like every play you run will be six percent more successful, but your recruiting's going to go down. Like he's not a good recruiter. He's not interested. He's not good at it. Like it would be, it would be fun if those if those decisions had real impact. I would probably argue for that over over the choice of broadcaster. And see, the thing with broadcasters is, yeah, it would probably be a little difficult to get like. CBS, ESPN, and Fox all on board with, because you would also have to be able, I mean, like, presumably if you have the voices of their broadcast packages, you would also have like aesthetically what those broadcast packages look like. And like the last iteration of the game that came out, it had ESPN graphics and logos and, and, and it, it had an ESPN um, similar like broadcast. Gotcha. layout. Yeah. Yes. So like you would need that stuff, I think in the game, but like, you think about when EA was doing college basketball games as well, like 10 years ago, like I think the last one that I had was like Blake Griffin was on the cover. Um, They had the ability to go, you could do an ESPN broadcast or you could do a CBS broadcast. Like that was in a game a decade ago. 
give it back to us. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, we're really getting into the weeds here, but like, this is what it was like. Like you cared so much about the smallest details because theoretically, and I mean, this is going to change. Well, it may have already changed. I think the new deal may be signed, but um, like, okay, if you wanted to play on CBS, which basically means it's a 2.30 game. So you're going to be in blazing hot sun. Like that's going to be the vibe. That's going to be the feel. It's got to look like that. You got to go to the SEC or you can go to Army, Army Navy and play, play on CBS once or you can, get, you can go to the Sun Bowl, which I think was still on CBS for a long time. Like, and it would be totally fun because it's like a different level of the game. You're like, well, I won six straight national titles at Florida and then I went to uh, Florida International and, and did it there. But you know what I haven't done yet? I haven't played on CBS. So I'm going to take over Vanderbilt and I'm going to make the Commodores amazing. Uh, Such a great game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a great game. It was, and, and it, 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 without the, like, it looks terrible. Like just call them a spade a spade. When, when we have like consoles have jumped two generations since the last game came out. So like from a graphic standpoint, it looks terrible, especially the players standing on the sideline that are not involved in a play. They look, it, it's hilarious how bad it looks, but from a gameplay standpoint and just from like a pure fun standpoint. And like you said, like you get it and then you spend like 30 of the next 72 hours just playing it nonstop. Like it, it is still like that. You know, when you break the game out for a weekend, like you sink your entire weekend into it and it's suddenly gone. The game has stood the test of time. Uh, and so- it's, it's great to see. So with the way gaming has changed and like I alluded to, I'm not really up to the, like I still play video games the way I played video games in like 2008. Um, but with, and, and there were later years in there where my brother and I and a couple of friends would have the online dynasty. And that was fun, except for like, you always had that one guy where you're like, Hey, could you play your game this week? So we can advance this to, <laughs> to the next stage. Like, do you think that will change? Because college football for me was, was very much, and and part of this was just like when I was playing it most frequently, like I was not living in a dorm room. I was not in high school. Um, I played it by myself. Do you think the new era changes that just, do you think more people will play it online um, kind of head to head than the solitary experience that it used to be? Yeah, probably just because online is, and, and like, gaming competition has expanded so much like esports is is not taboo anymore i don't think so like probably but like i mean i was the same as you like you had the ability to play with other people um it was like really rudimentary at that point but like i have the ability to play games with other people now and i don't do it like i like my gaming is like i'm gonna i'm gonna turn on uh spider-man a a game that I've beaten the story mode like four different times. And I'm just going to like swing around the city by myself. Um, Or I'm going to turn on 2k and like play a, a a my NBA mode or something like that by myself. So like, I I think there are still a lot of those people out there. So you'll probably get some like online competition elements to the game, but I think a lot of people will still kind of handle it the same way. Maybe that's idealistic thinking just based off of like my own experiences, but I don't know, or I guess projecting would be a better, better way to describe it, but I don't know. We'll see. Shall we talk about Nebraska? I guess since we've 
Yeah, so, let's talk about the team we'd never choose in Dynasty. That's actually not true. I used to usually start out with Nebraska. but They had cooler uniforms if they had more uniform options. The reason I always picked Oregon is because I could play 12 games in a season and never wear the same uniform <laughs> once or more than twice. Yeah, it was it was nice. Uh, although by who knows who knows by the time the the new version comes out, Nebraska might be up to full time black shirts alternate, both home and away, plus maybe one other. Who knows? Like, I did, however, when I was playing with Nebraska. Sorry, I know we need to move on, but when I was playing, when I would play dynasty modes with Nebraska, I would wear red pants uh, with the with the red tops. That was the thing that I would do. It, that that was always good. You could break you could break that out for big games. Like for those teams where you had limited options, you'd be like, "Well, at least I can do this. I can do I can do color on color. Yep. I can do all white on the road. Yep, for special occasions only." Um, Were you the person that played with all black shoes, regardless of what the the uniform was? Uh, I don't remember that I paid that much attention attention to shoes. Like I remember going in and you know, changing all my recruits to be like, Oh, this guy, like, I, I feel good about this guy. He needs to have a single digit. Um, but yes. <laughs> Defensive lineman with single digit numbers. Okay. One more thing. This just made me think of it. You couldn't have double numbers on offense and defense. You could only have one number on the entire team. It wasn't like it is now. If there, if, and when there is a new game, we have to have the ability to give the same number to a guy on offense and on defense. I need that so that I can have two number ones on my team. Okay. Single digit uh, numbers on college football players or just football players in general look great. And as games currently stand, you can only give what nine of them out. I need more. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll go along with that. I don't feel as strongly about it as you do. Um, you know, with only nine available to hand out in the video world, uh, it, it made it even more. You, you had to really feel good about your your five star defensive end you got, um, which man, Nebraska. Well, every team, but Nebraska could use a five star defensive end. But anyway, five star guy to just rush the rush the passer. Yeah, probably. Um, we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, just a, a little bit ago, Scott Frost spoke to the media as part of a kind of a national signing day press conference. Also like a, what are we doing in the off season kind of update um, deal. Brandon, you listened to the comments from Frost. It was about a 26, 25, 26 minute conversation um, with the head coach. Was there anything immediately that kind of struck you or stood out to you that you want to talk about off the cuff? Hmm. There, there wasn't a time. It was sort of strange because like mo most teams that aren't changing coaches, Nebraska really had one addition for this quote unquote late signing period. And that was like the opening question. It was kind of like, well, this is technically why we're here. So we'll, we'll handle that. And, and that was all fine and good. And then we kind of got into, you know, questions about the off season question about, some open, open, not even coaching positions, but staff positions. Like, I don't know. It felt for the most part, like about what you'd expect him to say on, on a lot of fronts. Um, the quarterback stuff was kind of interesting. Got a, got a question in there about Logan Smothers, which obviously given off season, the transfer of, of Luke McCaffrey takes on 
a little bit more, a little bit more weight, but yeah, for the most part, it felt by the book. I, I guess like if we really want to get deep in the weeds here, um, you know, Frost continues to be like, I feel good about this. Like I got to focus on the guys that want to be here, which yes, like these are things you can say every off season. Like, is there a real kind of reason behind those things that's making that, <laughs> I guess, more true than the last time we heard all of those things. And, and I don't know, like it's, it's a hard sort of hard sort of thing to prove in a press conference anyway. Um, but we didn't really kind of get down that path too far. Yeah. There's some weird questions. Um, one thing that like Greg Smith and I talked about after the fact was like, he's kind of reaching a point where, um, his, his cachet within the fan base is not what it was when he first got here. And so there aren't going to be too many press conferences where he doesn't say something that, uh, elicits the like stop talking and show us on the field response. Like, I I feel like we're at a point where every single press conference is just going to have that kind of response in the, like the comments section of the tweets of his quotes. Um, I think he is, we talked about this a little bit with, I think Aaron and Greg on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think he's kind of learning, so to speak on the job, how to navigate press conferences and how to navigate like giving his players um, pub talking about his players in a positive manner while also shielding them from um, maybe expectations that he doesn't feel are warranted. And, you know, he's a young coach. So that was, that's obviously something that you have to learn you know, it's a, it's a delicate balance, I think, but like Greg and I were talking specifically about the way that he talked about Omar Manning. Um, and, and to me, I, I thought it sounded very like somewhat shielding, which was cool to see. It was like, yeah, this is a guy that we feel has a lot of potential. This is a guy that, that we're excited about what he can do for our offense, but this is also a guy that like, look, like we don't want to put unrealistic expectations on him. We don't want to put pressure on him. I think with Frost sort of, um, and maybe the, maybe this is reading too much into what he said, but with Frost sort of um, not kind of going all the way in, like, yeah, Omar's a, a Sunday guy. He's an NFL guy. He's a guy that is going to make our offense so much better. Like with, with him not going there and sort of saying, I, I want to keep expectations low. I, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I think it was maybe somewhat of an acknowledgement that he, maybe at least he felt like he did that a year ago. Um and then Omar didn't play and, you know, they've kind of been intentionally vague about what's going on with all of, with that situation, which is fine. I mean, it's Omar's situation to share however, however much he wants to share. Um, but Frost saying like, we got to get him healthy, but when he's healthy and if he's part of the team, which, you know, he's, he's here Frost that he's here, he came back. He's, he's going to be part of the team moving forward. Like if he's, if he's available to them on Saturdays um, you know, they're excited about what he can do you know, I, I wonder if the, the comments about the wide receiver talent are going to come back up in November. Um, those were, those kind of like perked my ears up a little bit. I want to talk about the quarterbacks though. It's kind of the the main thing that I want to hit on. 
it, it sort of seemed like they, they're hesitant to go to the portal for a quarterback. Um, Frost said, like, we need to find the right guy. We need to find guys that want to be here, right? And you and I have sort of been digging around in the transfer portal a, a lot over the last, you know, week or two. And one of the things that I've seen is when you, when you get those highly recruited guys, those highly rated guys coming out of high school that are in the transfer portal, it's a high, a higher than you'd expect probability that those guys are not just going to be like a one-time transfer. There, there are guys that like they bounce around a couple of places before they really find a home. And, you know, I wonder if, if some of their hesitancy to go to the portal is they just want to know what they have with this quarterback room. Do, do you think that ultimately they will dip their toes into the portal after we get through spring ball? Or, or do you kind of take Frost at his word that he thinks highly of Logan Smothers? He's excited about Heinrich and they're kind of going to, going to, going to try to roll with what they have. Yeah. I, I, I sort of thought this before, before even today, um, because I was asked about it on, on a radio show. I think it was the week prior. Uh, do we expect Nebraska to go in the portal for a quarterback? And it's, it's kind of tough because like, what do you even look for? eligibility wise like if there's a can't miss guy if there's a Jalen Hurts out there obviously you probably throw your your hat in the ring and and see what you can do um but minus that like are you looking for a guy who's proven over multiple seasons which okay then why is that guy in the transfer portal in the first place like we all understood why Jalen Hurts was, but he was kind of an anomaly. Um, who's definitively better than Adrian right now? Um, and if so, and you bring that guy in, does that mean you just like traded quarterbacks essentially because Martinez potentially leaves? Are you looking for somebody who slots in eligibility-wise with where Luke sort of was? So a little bit of an insurance policy in case Smothers is not ready, but I think probably similar to you, everything I've heard about how the staff feels about Smothers has been pretty glowing and it's not much. Um, but I think for a true freshman, he came in, and, I mean, Frost said as much today. Um, so assign whatever weight to that you want, but said, I feel better about it now than I did when he signed paraphrasing that obviously, but like, if that's true, like, I think you can kind of roll with that. So it's just, I don't know what the perfect sort of transfer quarterback for them would be. And for that reason, I would be pretty surprised even if we get through spring ball minus additional attrition, that would obviously change the math, but I'd be surprised if there's a guy in there that felt like, Oh, this, this definitely improves the room and this gives us more depth and checks all the boxes that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Among the guys that are in the portal right now that aren't committed to another school, there there aren't many options like that make a lot of sense for Nebraska. And there's not a clear cut, this guy, there's not like a Jamie Newman in there, right? Like that Georgia like looks at him from Wake Forest is like, oh, well, it's a no brainer that we can get this guy, even though we just got JT Daniels, like, sure, let's get Jamie Newman. Um, There's not a Joe Burrow. Like, like the only guy 
sort of, I, I think I went through the top 15 or 20 quarterbacks that are in the portal, just off two, four, seven ratings. And there's only one of them that had a Nebraska connection when he was going through the recruiting process. And that's Kentucky's Terry Wilson, which would be a hilarious turn of events. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it seems like, it seems like they are not, not to say comfortable with their quarterback room. I don't know if you can ever really be comfortable with the quarterback room in this day and age with the transfer portal, but it seems like they, at, at the very least, don't know what they have with that room and would like to see what they have with that room before they make any, any moves. And Frost's comment about like, we want, you know, you got to find the right guy. It's got to be the right guy. He, he said, he doesn't want to, doesn't want to act too quick and make a mistake. And he said that they, they talked about it. They thought about adding a guy quickly before spring ball, presumably um, obviously you have, well, I guess I can't say, obviously there's still time. It seems like they have decided to, to not go that route at the current moment. Um, and like, for me personally, there are some parallels here to the running back room. Um, I want to see what Marvin Scott is. Like, I want to see what Savion Morrison is. I want to see what Ramir Johnson has to his game, what Ronald Tompkins can be. Um, if Marquis step comes in and takes the, the running back spot and runs with it and Nebraska is better for it. Fine. But if Marquis step comes in, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying as a hypothetical, if he comes in and, you know, suddenly you lose one or two of the running backs that you have recruited, that you've been investing time in and developing. I, it, I, are you really helped in that situation? I don't know. Um, and so when you, you, you kind of compare that to the quarterback room, like, like you said, if you bring a guy in that you want to contend with Adrian for the starting job, because any quarterback worth his salt, that's going to come to Nebraska as a transfer is going to want to play. That's why they're in the portal in the first place. So if you bring a guy in, that's going to contend with Adrian, you run the risk of losing Adrian or you run the risk of losing a guy like Logan, maybe. I don't know, maybe. And, you know, you're still in a situation where you don't feel great about the depth. How different to you, Brandon, is this quarterback room as it stands right now with Adrian and then the two freshman guys that don't have any experience? How, how similar or how different is this to you from this, the quarterback situation a year ago? Um, well, you've got one fewer option. I guess the way I would look at that is Nebraska's quarterback room entering 2020 was largely an anomaly in that you had it. And this is, you know, probably a function of still being relatively early in, in a coach's tenure, but you had it spaced out perfectly, right? Like you had every, you had a guy that you'd signed in every class and they were still here. And that's just not really the way that quarterback recruiting works anymore. Uh, and so I don't, it's, it's tough. I don't want to be too harsh on a small sample size of, of Luke McCaffrey, but like we saw his playmaking ability. We saw like everyone sees his athleticism and that he is a good football player. Like it's, it's hard to see him in a, you find yourself in a closer than expected Purdue 
game against Purdue in mid-November on the road. It's cold and crappy out. Like piloting Nebraska to the game-winning drive. And and to be fair, like he had very little, uh, you know, opportunity to showcase showcase this at that point. I'm I'm not saying like I was writing the book on him, but like based on what we heard about Smothers and based on the fact that this is mostly what college football is like. So if, if everything had gone perfectly, like just based on timing, Adrian Martinez would have played here as long as he wanted to play uh, and been great. And then Luke McCaffrey would have had to essentially wait three years, take whatever playing time he could get and then step in. How often does that happen? I mean, really, you're, you're probably, I, I would guess, and I haven't done any research on this, but I would just guess that the primary sort of quarterback rotation slash trajectory is closer to where Nebraska's at now in that you've got your guy and you've got the next guy and hopefully you can hang on to the next guy and develop him so he's ready to go when, when, when the guy is, is no longer part of your program. Well, let me so tell I you get... where that happens. Let me tell you where that happens. That happens at Alabama where you have a Mac Jones who knows that he's going to sit behind to a tongue of Iloa. I think that's a, a solid verbal podcast, the way that they do it. I love it. And I say it like that every single time um, they're winning and they're playing for SEC titles and national championships. And so it, you, you are, a little bit more content to sit and wait. And you know that the guy ahead of you is performing at an elite level. And so, you know, you can't really make any bones about it. They're going to put you in the league if you play well for a couple of years. And so you can sit and wait. And, and like if Nebraska was winning, they could probably operate the way that they've been operating with quarterbacks for the last three years, but Nebraska's not winning. You agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, like the the one the, the example that might be closer to Nebraska, and that's the only one I can think of, which makes me think that it's even more of an outlier. Um, because you're right, like being the backup quarterback at Alabama ain't that bad when, hey, we kill everybody for the most part. So you're going to get to play a little bit. Um, we're also probably going to win an SEC title uh, three out of every four years and a national title once every two years. So it's, it's not a bad gig uh, <laughs> to be in the back of quarterback there. But Mike, Mike Leach's Texas Tech uh, would be the other one. And, and I think that one was solely – like I think that's largely gone in today's game. But with the uniqueness of the offense that they ran, and if you're a quarterback in particular, just knowing oh, you're going to come here and whether you want to or not, you're going to throw for over 5,000 yards. Like that's just what the offense requires. And you just like went through the list and I forget the order at this point, but you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Cumbie, et cetera, et cetera. Like it didn't matter who Texas tech put in there. The dude was just going to throw for a ton of yards. And as the offense continued to get more and more refined, like the guy would, the next guy up would break the previous guy's record. And it was really had nothing to do with like talent it was just kind of like yeah we just get better at running this a little bit each year and we put up more yards um but those are kind of the two examples like for the most part you're either really active in the qb transfer portal um which oklahoma's kind of the 
paragon of success with that over over recent history and or like you recruit a guy each year you're probably more realistically looking like at a two-year space out so you've got your guy and the next guy ups two years behind because that at least feels like oh i'm not going to waste three years of my career i'm only going to waste maybe two not waste but like spend two years so it just it, it gets tough like i feel like nebraska in terms of quarterbacks was kind of in a luxurious position previously and now it's back to you where everybody else is at it had to move out of the nice house it had some bad investments didn't go quite right nobody's fault just the way the market broke uh and and had to move to a slightly smaller house in the suburbs do you expect logan smothers or i guess heinrich i don't i don't think you can totally write heinrich out of the the equation um because i think both of those two guys i I've framed it this way and people are, are welcome to disagree with me, but this is the way that I see it. Like the first two quarterbacks they recruited Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey were guys were runners who could throw the ball. And the last two guys, Smothers and Harburg feel like throwers who can run the ball. So I don't think either of those guys can be completely like pushed to the side for the quarterback conversation this year. Cause they got to be better throwing the ball. That being said, do you think that either of them can realistically push Martinez for the starting job after what we saw in those last four games for 2020? I think Smothers could. I think it's still a big ask for an early enrollee um, in Harburg who, you know, as a, as a small, as this sounds insane, but as somebody who played high school football at the level that he played it at, um, like I understand kind of what he saw in, in, in a week to week basis. And like the, the jump to college is always going to be huge. It, it is even a little bit bigger for, for smaller school guys. Um, totally so I think that'd be an adjustment of, period. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that's part of it too. Um, and, but could they, could, could smothers in particular challenge? Yes, I think he could, because some of this goes back to a, a conversation. I remember, us having in the off season about, okay, well, is there really a QB comp, comp competition going on between Martinez and McCaffrey? And I was like, you know, I, my point of view was that is the bar really that high coming off of Adrian Martinez's 2019. And I think it's still in a large part, he played really well over those, those last four games. Um, and that's good. That's what Nebraska needs. Nebraska is better off if he just wins this job presumably unless you've just got a phenom behind him which we don't know at this point but in terms of somebody like that overtaking him like if you are an excellent decision maker if you're if you've got a little bit more arm talent if you're a guy who's just like yeah he's the only person on our roster who can make that throw that helps um and then the running piece of it it I don't know. I, I, I feel like I know the least about Smothers as a runner. I know he's super fast, um, which is good. And I know that Nebraska probably needs to rely on the QB run less than it has so far to this point under Frost. So, so really the question there becomes, and this is probably oversimplified, but I don't know how much. Like When you do scramble or when you do do design quarterback runs, can you hold on to the football? Because at this point, like – Adrian's fumble numbers are just like 
you got to figure out, are you willing to live with it? And if you've got a guy who's like, he doesn't do that in practice, that gets you pretty close right there. Like if you're just like, if you see it a little bit better, if you, if you, if you get through the progressions and make good choices, and I'm not implying that Adrian doesn't do this stuff. It just hasn't been at the consistency level we would have thought based on his stellar freshman year. Um, yeah, that race can get close pretty quickly, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think the the turnovers are the big differentiator. And, like, we don't see practice, so this is an educated guess. I don't think fumbles are, are as big an issue in practice as they are in the games. And I think that because the quarterbacks aren't getting hit. I think we're, we're, you know, we're three years in and the quarterbacks don't get hit in practice. And I completely understand why I completely understand why you don't want guys getting their heads taken off in practice. And then you lose your quarterback, especially considering the depth situation that they've been in at quarterback over the first three years. I completely understand it. But at the same time, I think that that plays a factor in the fumbles. I don't think they know how to get hit and how to hang on the ball when they do get hit and how to fall while being hit. And when you're not practicing it, it's hard to know how to do those things. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the turnovers are going to be a big differentiating factor. Like Luke last year had one touchdown pass and six interceptions in his pass attempts. And somebody looked it up on Twitter. I don't remember um, the person, but they, they used the play index on sportsreference.com. And Luke was one of, only 33 quarterbacks in college football since the turn of the century to have uh, six interceptions or more on fewer than 80 pass attempts. And, and I looked at the list and he was one of only um, 13 power five quarterbacks to do that. So like you can't operate that way. And we've seen Frost talk about the turnover numbers, the turnover margin has to be better at 18 turnovers as an offense last year. Like, yeah, the defense has to produce some more takeaways and some more splash plays, but they got, they got you seven in eight games and you were minus 11 in the turnover margin in eight games. Like you, you got to figure out the turnover stuff. And so like, to your point, if Logan in practice is just bombing deep throws left and right and like putting them like on the money, like he looks like those Texas tech Patrick Mahomes teams. And he gives you the added element of when he, when he runs, when he scrambles, he's a little bit more controlled. He's not going to fumble the ball. If you feel like that's where he's at, then he's got a chance. But I also like the way Adrian operated the offense in the last four games, kind of similar to you. I mean, he set a program record for completion percentage last year. Like he, he was under 60% as a sophomore and everybody looked at that number and said, raise this please as a junior. And he did, he got it above 70%, which was a program record. And so, like, if they are the kind of offense that I think you would prefer them to be, or maybe not prefer, but, like, you think that that they have a higher ceiling being, and, and I know Greg Smith feels the same. Like, if they're a run-first offense, if they're really good on the ground, then that kind of, like, efficient passing attack, not necessarily, you know, throwing 50-yard bombs left and right, that can work. And so, like, I still think Adrian is kind of in the driver's seat in that regard. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Like the past year was encouraging on the completion percentage front, you know, knowing that this offense didn't go down the field a lot. 
Um, it was fairly limited. It also kind of showed you that you'd probably be willing to live with, you know, two or three percentage points less on the completion percentage if it got you more downfield shots. So, and, and that's okay. Like you, you learn something about the, where the offense is at as a whole. It's like, okay. You know, so in terms of envisioning the offense, seeing the offense real time, like Adrian can pick out, pick out the guy that that's going to be open. Um, but we also need to add the downfield element of it. And like, you know, just thinking about the, the fumbles in particular, and I don't have off the top of my head, how many, times he's fumbled not not even fumbles lost but he's at about 13 carries a game i'm guessing just looking at the averages over the past three years and that includes sacks which you can also fumble on a sack so in this case it's fine like it it's a it's a high percentage of those carries i'll go back and add it up at some point um and, and probably be even more alarmed but just like okay, if, if Adrian Martinez is carrying the football or getting sacked, like what are the chances that you fumble? And then what are the chances that you lose them? And, and the chances that you lose them should be 50%, but Nebraska's been a little bit snake bit on that for, for quite a while now. So that's, that's really the biggest thing. And you would need, you know, you would need a pretty good data set. Um, and in, in a coach's case, a data set would be all of your practices, workouts, et cetera. To, to show like, oh yeah, Logan just doesn't do this to kind of clear that hurdle. And I think get over the experience edge that he just has coming in. But you mentioned it. And I mean, I, I've looked at these numbers, but it still kind of shocks me every time it comes up. I'm like 18 turnovers lost. So that, that doesn't even count like fumbles that you didn't lose um, or passes that didn't get intercepted, but probably should have. 18 over eight games. It's more than two a game. Like, so yeah, you could look at that of the defense really needs to force a lot more of these to help us make that up. Or you need to figure out how to not average more than two lost, more than two giveaways per game. And that's, that's really the big issue. Um, Teamrankings.com can tend to be a, a little hit or miss might be off by one or two with these I've, I've found. Um, and like sometimes the stat keeper, whether you're at home or on the road, won't log it as a fumble. Like there was a fumble in the Penn State game that Luke had where he lost it going out of bounds. I think everybody thought it was a fumble, but it wasn't logged as a fumble. So like I say this, there, there, there might be a little variance here. Adrian's played 28 games at Nebraska. He has 27 fumbles. <laughs> okay. Um I'm doing the math here real quick. 375 carries, which includes sacks. So how many total fumbles, not even fumbles lost, but just fumbles, did you say? 27. So 7.2 per, yeah. Yeah. So one in every seven, basically seven carries and sacks, the ball's going to come out. And he runs it 13 times a game. Yes. And that's completely ignoring, he's got 20 interceptions against 31 touchdowns in his career. Yeah. 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 The numbers get tough. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, you could you could look at that and say that's why they're losing, and people would be like, okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a big part of it, and you know they've they've kind of gone. Well, I mean, these things always fluctuate, and that's that's kind of the thing, like you know, particularly with how I tend to look at things, like you can look at it and be like, wow, they were really unlucky with turnovers this year. And, and that's, that's fine. It's just going to happen sometimes. Um, well, their fumble numbers are incredible. They like, they lose more than they should. And they, I think they, they recovered like two of like 12 fumbles that they forced as a defense last year. Like their fumble numbers are so, they're so unlucky with it. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And, and but part of the thing with looking at those pieces of it that are random, like you can look at it and be like, well, yeah, you got really unlucky here. Um, but if you accept that it's random, you're just waiting for it to change. Like there's really nothing you can do about it. Like, you know, Adrian could have the the same amount of fumbles per, you know, a fumble, one fumble every seven carries in 2021 but if you recover 90 percent of them nobody cares and you probably win more games and it's just it is what it is and and that's you know it gets into big picture stuff but like really having continued success is being able to kind of minimize those pieces of it and and nebraska still seems really far away from that like 2021 success it might come down to just be like yeah, we got a little bit fortunate on, on some of those bounces and it gave us momentum. It gave us confidence and maybe now we're off and running. Yeah. But again, you're just hoping. Yeah. And, and like, I wonder, you know, to kind of bring this back to the quarterback competition, I, I wonder if, if the um, commitment to Adrian is, you know, like a little bit of, we kind of just have to live with this because his highs are really high. When, when, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's still got a lot of potential to be a, um, a playmaking quarterback and a a guy that can make big plays at key moments. And so I guess, you know, if you're talking about can Logan unseat him, it's really a matter of, can, can you be a bigger playmaker maybe with, with a similar, um, penchant for mistakes or can, can you, have a much higher floor. Um, and with a young guy, that might be too much to ask, having a, a much higher floor. So, and like, this is what you said. Can he just make throws that you're like, nobody else on our team can make that throw? Yeah. So spring ball will be super interesting in that regard. Yeah. Would you, since we're, so we're into February now, when you think of the 2020 season in terms of games, what's the first thing you think of? What do you mean? As far as what, when I think of games, just when you're like, like when it comes to like, Oh yeah. In 2020, Nebraska football was about this. This is what I remember about Nebraska football. Promising, but maddening. Okay. If you were to put that into a game, which game is that? into a game can i put it into two games like a two we, game stretch yeah like rutgers yeah. and minnesota okay interesting 
because I, I I feel like, and it's just, and it is just a feeling. Um, I feel like most people remember 2020 based on the Illinois game, which was bad, like yeah. unforgivable. Like you've got to be better than that. Like this team kind of has a annoying tendency to not deal with. Hey, you just beat Penn State, a game that everyone you know realistically chalked up as a loss when the schedule came out. And it was, it was unquestionably the low point of the season Um, in Minnesota, like Minnesota was a lot better than Illinois, but Minnesota not far behind because it felt like Nebraska was like, Oh, maybe they end with some momentum. Like, I think the, the, the truer, well, I don't know if it's truer. Like you could also look at 2020 as a year where Nebraska really played well against Northwestern and really played well against Iowa. And I think both those teams were really good. And we're used to them being good, and we're used to them being good in their own, like, annoying, slow football ways. But last year's Iowa team was maybe – it's probably the best that I think I remember since covering Big Ten football. Yes, even better than the team that went all the way to the Big Ten championship game undefeated and then lost there. Um, Northwestern, eh, not so sure about, but still really good in an elite defense, which you can just kind of lock in with them. So I thought it's they had one of the best defenses in the country. Oh yeah, yeah, they absolutely did, and and they had one of the best defenses in the country when you really broke it down a year ago. They just had no offense, and they got like the basic level of offense they needed to kind of walk away with the Big Ten West division. And, and Nebraska played well against those. And it doesn't excuse the Illinois loss. It's just interesting as I get a little further removed from 2020, as I think about it, it's like, it's like, what do you remember from that? Is it more the Illinois game or is it more Northwestern Iowa? And, and for you, you know, you mentioned the two game swing, which is interesting because it kind of displayed both parts of, of what that was yeah. of Minnesota and then Rutgers. So. I, I tend to view the Illinois game as a blip which is which is probably giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt but like if you talk about it from a defensive standpoint that game was just they have six games seven games six games if you take out ohio state where they play good to really good football and then they had the illinois game where they just played not good football defensively. And I think the six games where they were good to really good is more indicative of where they are. So like the Illinois game was like inexcusable because you're trying to build momentum and you don't want to have like a big win against Penn state and then just completely fall on your face. But at the same time, it seemed like it wasn't really representative of what they were. I have a question for you. um, And we can, we can wrap this up on this point. If, they opened the season with Northwestern, played the same schedule through, had the Iowa game, Purdue, Minnesota, and they have the win against Rutgers, but they closed the season with Ohio State. And it's the exact same Ohio State game that happened in week one. Like Nebraska looks like surprisingly good in the first half. And like, is like taking it to Ohio State a little bit at the line of scrimmage. Does that change the outlook of the team. Do you, do you think people have forgotten about 
what they look like against Ohio State? Um, so none of the results change. We're just bumping Ohio State from the first game to the last game. Yeah, we're just picking it up, plucking it out, and putting it yep. at the end, which I know doesn't work because that was the the plus one Big Ten game. They wouldn't have played Ohio State, but like just just for the sake of this argument, you're just plucking the game out, putting it at the end of the line instead of the front of the line. Yeah. Um, it probably goes a, a little bit better. So in, in that scenario, you Nebraska starts one and four, one and four, and then splits over the second half which part of that would be like looking like you're going to hang with Ohio state for a half. And then, then Ohio state goes on to, to win the big 10 and play for the play for the college football national title. Yeah. It probably helps a little bit. Um, I don't know if it helps a ton, but it helps a little bit, I think, but I mean, it's interesting because that Ohio state game, because it was the first game, uh, like it, and because we all thought Ohio State was a, a national title caliber team, which they ended up being, um, just didn't quite get there. You're kind of like, yeah, we'll just try and take some good from this. So it'd be interesting to move that to the end of the season. I mean, talking about the blip that Illinois may, may have been, particularly on defense, only two teams scored more than 30 points against Nebraska, and it was Ohio State and Illinois, which <laughs> – I hadn't looked at previously, but it's, it's pretty interesting. So yep. 28 points is like dead average for college football. And it's like, if Nebraska hovers around 28 points defensively, for me, that's the defense doing its job. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Okay. We are over an hour, so we can probably wrap this up and I'll let you get on with your Thursday afternoon. Thank you for coming on the podcast, Brandon. Thank you. Make sure you are, Reading HailVarsity.com, subscribed to Hail Varsity, subscribed to all of the podcast offerings that we have as a proud part of the Herd App Media Network. Um, Brandon's podcast is great. I mean, it's not going right now. The IA Preview podcast uh, should be something that you're subscribed to, should be something that you're listening to in season. Uh, we've got we've got a bunch of others. We've got really something for every day of the week. Uh, so shouts to Sasha for producing this. She's got her own podcast with Aaron Sorensen. Um, shouts to you guys for listening each week and, and for listening to everything that we offer at Hale Varsity. Um, remember, if you haven't already, go leave a five-star review. If you leave a four-star review or a three-star or two-star, even, God forbid, a one-star review, I will find you. I will track down your email address and I will spam your inbox with clips from the Scott's Todd's episode of The Office. Be safe. Talk to you guys next week. Hoda Media Production.